we're, we're in a series. We're actually, I think, in week, uh, week what? Week eight, maybe? And why do we believe that? Every person on planet Earth believes something. They believe something. They believe many things. But this series is specific to uh, systematic theology. That is the study of what we believe systematically. Why do we believe what we believe? Why do we believe there is a creator God? Why do we believe that he has uh, one son named Jesus that he sent to this earth because he loved us so much that he refused to allow us to die in our trespasses and sins. Jesus went to Calvary and shed his blood there and gave his life there so that we could be saved. And he was resurrected on the third day. And we know as Bible believers that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. One of the solid doctrines we believe is this. There's only one way to be saved, and that is to be washed in the blood of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way. We believe in our hearts. We confess our sins. We repent of our sins, and the blood of Jesus Christ makes us brand new. Today, we're going to be looking at the doctrine of providence. The doctrine of providence. In the past couple of weeks, uh, we've spent our time together looking at the doctrine of creation. Where did we come from? How did we get here? Uh, we saw that the Bible teaches, and therefore we believe, because this is the basis of what hope in Christ believes in. We believe the Bible. Can I get an amen? amen. We believe the Bible. The moment we discount the Word of God is the moment we cease to be Christians. Can I get an amen there? The very moment we discount the Word of God, the very moment we start straying away from the Word of God, we cease to be Christ followers. We become cults. We become social clubs. We become a mess. Hope in Christ Fellowship stands upon the foundation of God's Word. That's all we believe. There's no reason to add anything to it. We believe the Word of God. And so we saw the past couple of weeks how that the Bible teaches that God created the universe out of nothing. God created everything we know out of nothing simply by His Word. Simply by His Word. God is the author of all things. God's the author of all things, both visible and invisible. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Everything He created, He said, hey, this is good. Everything God created is good. And he created all things for his glory. For his glory. Let, let's just practice that a little bit this morning. Let's just get off to the right start. It's not about, not about, it's all about Jesus. God created everything and God said this is good. And he created it for his honor and his glory. This morning, as we continue our study into systematic theology, I want us to turn our attention to the words you see there on the screen, the doctrine of providence. Now, what we're going to do today is as we kind of wade into the waters of the doctrine of providence, we're going to look at what providence is, how it affects our day-to-day -day lives, and then next week, Lord willing, what we'll do is explain a whole lot of questions you'll probably leave with here today. Because the doctrine of providence tells us that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that God is in control of all things at all times for our good and for His glory. And if you preach that and if you teach that, as you begin to hear that, Satan will start whispering questions into your ears and into your mind. Well, if God is in control, what about? And if God is really in control, why this? We'll spend our time next week, Lord willing, answering some of those questions. In the meantime, we believe the doctrine of providence. Today, we're going to be focusing on two questions. What is the doctrine of providence? And how does the doctrine of providence affect our day-to-day -day lives? Number one, what is providence? 
What is providence? Well, in essence, providence is God's ongoing relationship with his creation. We just touched on this last week. God created all of creation, and God is involved in his creation every single moment of every single day. God is not the clockmaker who, who created and wound it up and left it to tick and run all by itself. God is providentially running the universe every second of every day. Now, way back in 1500 and something, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism was written, which is basically uh, doctrines put in question form with answers. It was a way that people used to learn what the Bible teaches. Question number seven asked, what do you understand by the providence of God? In other words, if, if, if the providence of God is a, uh, a true doctrine, then what do we learn by that? What does the doctrine of providence teach us? Here is the answer to question number 27 of the Heidelberg Catechism. God's providence is his almighty and ever-present power, whereby, as with his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures, and so governs them, that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed, say this with me, all things, all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Several years ago, Michelle and I uh, and our family was going through a, a difficult time, and we was truly, truly, truly seeking answers. And my brother and his wife were members at Stephen Street Baptist Church in Cookville at the time. And Jimmy Arms was the pastor there then. And we didn't have a clue, but at that time, Jimmy Arms was going through a very difficult time, and his family was going through a very difficult time. And through it all, he said, here's what he kept being whispered to in his ears and in his mind and in his heart. Jimmy, everything that comes into your life is father-filtered. I want you to catch on to that. If you have to, write that down in your notes. Everything that comes into your life because of the doctrine of providence, everything, the good, the bad, the otherwise, everything that comes into your life is father-filtered. It's not by chance. All things come by God's fatherly hand. In layman's terms, here's what providence is. It's the belief that God, no one but God, in His goodness, in His power, accompanies, directs, governs, preserves, and upholds all creatures, all actions, all the time, and all things, from the most massive star that's out there to the smallest molecule that's in existence today, God is in control of all things. God, our creator, our eternal king, he governs all things to his praise and his glory, to his goodness, to his justice, his mercy, his power, and his wisdom. If you've not caught on yet, this is going to be a message about our good, good father today. And he's in control, and he's doing all things well. Throughout the Bible, and when I say throughout the Bible, I'm talking about from map to map, from the front to the back, from cover to cover. Throughout the Bible, we see the teaching that God is the one who gives life, and God is the one who takes life. God is the one who cares for. God is the one who leads. God is the one who observes and preserves and protects and renews and rules and saves and teaches and upholds and works for all of his creation and especially for his chosen people whom Jesus calls the Father's elect. Look with me in Psalm 104. We're going to be looking at the entire chapter of Psalm 104. Now I want you to pay special close attention to every part of this psalm that teaches us that it's all about God, that God is the creator, 
that God is in control, that God is a good, good Father. I will praise the Lord. In the Old Testament, all caps LORD is talking about God the Father. I will praise the Lord. Lord, my God, you are very great. Say very great. You are dressed in glory and majesty. You wrap yourself in light as if it were a robe. You spread the heavens out like a tent. You build your palace high in the heavens. You make the clouds serve as your chariot. You ride on the wings of the wind. You make the wind serve as your messenger. You make flashes of lightning serve you. You place the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. Will you underline that, highlight that, and circle that and put a star by it? Do you see what the Word of God says? God created the world. God is in charge of the world. God is preserving the world. You place the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. The providence of God. You covered it with the oceans like a blanket. The waters covered the mountains, but you commanded the waters, and they ran away, and the sound of your thunder, they rushed off. They flowed down the mountains. They went into the valleys. They went to the place you appointed them. You drew a line. They can't cross. They will never cover the earth Again, you make the springs pour water into the valleys. It flows between the mountains. The springs give water to all of the wild animals. The wild donkeys satisfy their thirst. The birds of the air build nests by the waters. They sing among the branches. You water the mountains from your palace high in the clouds. The earth is filled with the things you have made. You make grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to take care of. That's how they get food from the earth. There is wine to make people glad. There is olive oil to make them healthy. And there is bread to make them strong. The cedar trees of Lebanon belong to the Lord. You planted them and gave them plenty of water. The birds make their nests. The stork has its home in the pine trees. The high mountains belong uh, to the wild goats. The cliffs are the safe place for the rock badgers. The moon serves to mark off the seasons. The sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness and it becomes night. Then all the animals of the forest prowl around. The lions roar while they hunt. All their food comes from God. The sun rises and they slip away. They return to the dens and lie down. Then a man gets up and goes to work. He keeps working until evening. Lord... Lord God, you have made so many things. How wise you were when you made all of them. The earth is full of your creatures. Look at the ocean. So big and wide. It is filled with more creatures than people can count. It is filled with living things from the largest to the smallest. Ships sail back and forth on it. The Levithan, the sea monster you made, plays in it. All those creatures depend on you, God, to give them their food when they need it. When you give it to them, they eat it. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you turn your face away from them, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and turn back into dust. When you send your spirit, you create them. You give new life to the earth. May the Lord May the glory of the Lord continue forever. May the Lord be happy with what he has made. When he looks at the earth, it trembles. When he touches the mountains, they pour out smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praises to my God as long as I live. May these thoughts of mine please him. I find my joy in the Lord. But may those who sin be gone from the earth. May evil people disappear. I will praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm, I'm just guessing here. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I'm thinking Psalm 104 is all about the providence of Almighty God. 
He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the preserver. He supplies life. He gives life. He sustains all things. And until God says that anything changes, nothing changes. But when God says change, everything changes. We're studying today the doctrine of providence. And through God's providence, we see all throughout this Psalm 104 that he is actively involved, not passively involved. He is actively involved in his creation, listen to me, at every moment. At every moment. God hasn't abandoned his creation, nor will he ever. He tends to it. He sustains it. How? By his infinite power and by his sovereign wisdom. Look at Romans chapter 11, verse 36. All things come from him. Who's him? Almighty God. All things are directed by him. Who's him? Almighty God. All things are for his good. All things are for his good. May God be given the glory forever. Amen. God is a good God. God is a good God from the foundation to the end of time as we know it. God was a good God in 2019, and God is still a good God in 2020. You say, Pastor, how in the world could you say that? Are you not living in reality? I'm living in reality just like you're living in reality, but you know what the difference is? I believe the book. I believe the book. Brother Steve, are you worried? Are you concerned? Are you stressed out? No. No. Brother Steve, why not? Because I believe the book. Because I believe the book. Because I believe God created all things and God is sustaining all things and preserving all things and God is working everything out. Say everything. God's working everything out for our good and His glory even when we don't see it, even when we don't understand it. God is a good God. I'm going to say this verse one more time. All things come from Him. This is what we're going to base the rest of the message on. All things come from Him. All things are directed by Him. All things are for His good. May God be given the glory forever. Amen. Now from this verse, we see three things. We see that God's providence causes all that has been called into existence to continue, and He does it by sustaining it, by working in and through His creation. And by directing it for his good purpose. Let's say that again. God's providence is causing everything that's been called into existence to continue. By God sustaining it, by God continuing to work in it and through it, and listen closely, and directing it for his good purpose now these three avenues are called preservation concurrence and government so what we're going to do the rest of our time together we're going to take a few minutes and look at preservation concurrence and government now then the first line of Romans eleven thirty six says all things come from him keeping that in mind preservation preservation what is it about that word preservation is tied to the providence of God that teaches us that God is sovereign and providential in all things preservation means this that God himself upholds and sustains all things although the word preservation is not used in scripture itself it's the term we use to say, to describe, to understand that God sustains all created things and maintains the properties which he created them to have. Preservation means that God is preserving his creation. And because God is preserving all things, he also causes them to maintain the properties with which he originally crafted them, originally created them. For example, 
God, since the foundation of the world, when he created water, has caused water to remain water as long as time has existed. And he will forever cause water to continue to be water, H2O. God is also preserving grass to be green grass. It's God that created, and it's God that's preserving, and it's God that's sustaining. Right now, as I stand behind this acrylic pulpit, God is causing this acrylic pulpit to continue to be an acrylic pulpit. God's causing that to happen. And the only way this thing will ever change is if it comes into contact with another created force, such as maybe fire. Who created fire? Now, fire could come up on this acrylic pulpit, and it could be melted down to just a hunk of waste, couldn't it? But as long as this is here, it's made of acrylic, and it will forever be acrylic. Now, just apply that to all creation. Human beings will forever be human beings because that's the way God created us. And God only created two forms of us. And I'm going to say that again. And God only created two forms of us. He first took from the dust of the earth and he formed a man. Say man. And he breathed the breath of life into that man and that man became a living being. God says, Adam, you're the only one around here that ain't got a helpmate. God put him to sleep, opened his side, removed a rib, and God made a woman. Say woman. And when God created those two, he introduced them, he married them, and he said, go, multiply, subdue, and rule over the earth. God made Adam and Eve. God made man and woman. That's all there ever was. It's all there ever will be. The end. The end, God, served, God is sustaining his creation as he created it. Now, providence says that we should think of God's preservation not as a continuous creating process. The Bible says that God created, what, six days? And what did it say? And he rested from all his work. God is no longer creating. God created. Now God is sustaining. God is sustaining. He doesn't create new atoms and new molecules every second for every existing thing. He created it. Now he's sustaining it. He's preserving what he has already created. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Christ is the exact likeness of God who can't be seen. At this moment he is first and he is over all creation say that last line with me he is over all creation who is in control of all things today the Lord Jesus Christ Christ is the exact likeness of God who can't be seen he is first and he is over all his creations all things that were ever created was created by the Lord Jesus Christ. He created everything in heaven and upon the earth. He created everything that can be seen, and he created everything that can't be seen. He created kings. He created powers. He created rulers. He created authorities. Everything was created by him, and everything was created for him. Him. This ought to be one of the most exciting sermons you've heard all year long. It really should. This should settle your mind. God, do you, do you believe this? Do you believe that God is God? Do you believe that God is the creator of all things? And do you believe that God is sovereign? And do you believe that God is providential? And do you believe God is managing all of his creation? Do you believe God is on his throne today? Do you think God is doing all things well? Ought to be the best sermon you've heard all year long. God's doing all and God's doing all well. But don't but me. 
God is God and he's doing all things well even when we can't see it and even when we can't understand it God is doing all things and God is doing all things well before anything was created God was and he's holding everything together Although most of humanity doesn't believe that. Although most of humanity would hear a sermon like this and say, well, your God isn't doing a very good job. Well, you have an opportunity to take it up with him one day. Right before you fall down to your knees and confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you may get a word in edgewise, but I, you'll get a very small word in edgewise. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. All things were created by him. He created everything in heaven and on earth. He created everything that can be seen and everything that can't be seen. He created kings. He created powers. He created rulers and authorities. Everything was created by him and for him. All things, all things. Before anything was created, he was already there. He holds everything together. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our people through the prophets. He spoke at many times. He spoke in different ways. Now, here's what this is telling us. These passages indicate that if Christ were to cease to exist, if Christ was to cease sustaining his, his sustaining activity, all things in the universe, with the exception of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, would instantly cease to exist. If God were to take his eyes off of creation for just a moment, all of creation would cease to exist. Why? He created it. He's sustaining it. If God quits sustaining it, it ceases to exist. That's why Paul says in Acts chapter 17, uh, he said, In him we live and move and have our being. In him. In him we live and move and have our being. Without Christ, listen to me closely, without Christ, nothing would have come into existence. Nothing would have come into existence. That's the doctrine of creation. And without Christ, nothing could and nothing would continue to exist. That is the doctrine of preservation, the providence of Almighty God. But in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son, he is the one whom God appointed to receive all things. God made everything through him. The sun is the gleaming brightness of God's glory. He is the exact likeness of God's being. He uses his powerful word to do what, church? Hold all things together. Hold all things together. He provided the way for people to be made pure from sin. Salvation is from God, the Creator. Salvation is from Jesus Christ, the Sustainer. Then he sat down at the right hand of the King, the Majesty in heaven. So he became higher than the angels. The name he received is more excellent than theirs. His, his name is the name above all names. Look at Job chapter 34. This should cause the entire earth to tremble in fear before Almighty God. Job said if he really wanted to, he could hold back his spirit and breath. As I mentioned just a moment ago, God created the body of a man, but it was just an empty shell. But God breathed life into man, God's breath. What you're breathing right now here this morning is God's breath. It's not your breath, it's God's breath. Who created you? 
Almighty God. Who breathed the breath of life into you? Almighty God. And as Job said, if he really wanted to, he could hold back his spirit and his breath and all of humanity would cease to exist in a moment of time. The God of providence is keeping us alive today for his honor and for his glory. So number one, God preserves, God upholds, God sustains all created things. Now all things are directed by him. What does it mean that all things are directed by him? Concurrence. Concurrence. What does that word concurrence mean concerning the doctrine of providential care of God? Concurrence says that God works, listen, understand this, God works in and through. God works in and through all things. God works in and through all things. Concurrence is the aspect, again, of divine providence, the providential care of God, the preservation of God. Concurrence is the aspect of divine providence that describes how God works in and through all things, particularly the actions of created things. God works in our actions and through our actions as the providential caring God. In concurrence, we see divine agency and human agency working together, working together, running alongside each other in specific actions. Concurrence means that created things cooperate with God in every action. Why do you think the Bible says that when we stand before God in judgment, we will give an account for every idle word? Better explains the providence of God. God is working through every thought you think. God is working through every word you speak. God is working through every action you carry out. It's concurrence. God working in you and through you, and God working in all things and through all things. He directs the distinctive properties to cause us to act as we do. I don't always act real good, do you? Huh? Does that mean God's not in control? Does that mean God is not sovereign? Does that mean that God is not providential? Does that mean concurrence is faulty? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Things that happen, all things that happen are first and foremost events that God causes to happen. Now, as we dig into this, you're going to start scratching your head, and that's why we're going to talk about next week, we're going to explain some of these things. Things that happen are first and foremost events that God causes to happen, yet God works through the distinct properties of each created thing so that these things themselves bring about the results that we see. This is what we refer to as primary and secondary causes. Everything that happens has a primary cause and a secondary cause. The divine cause of each event works as an invisible, behind-the-scenes, behind-the-curtain uh, uh, event directing, causing, and therefore being called the primary cause that plans and initiates, listen to me, everything that happens everything that happens but the created thing brings about actions in ways consistent with the creature's own properties methods that can often be described by scientists who carefully observe the processes or even us who look upon and observe the actions of people and creation every day Therefore, these creaturely factors and properties can be called the secondary causes. So, the primary cause of all things is the hand of a loving Father God. And the secondary is human beings and birds and bees and foxes and fish and butterflies and trees.
trees and grass and clouds and lightning and all other creation. God is causing all things to happen and all of creation is participating in concurrence. We believe that. We see it clearly in Proverbs 16, 9. In your heart, you plan your life. Say this next word with me. Exactly. In your heart, you make your plans. In your heart, you, 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 you fashion your dreams. You, you, you plan out your schedule. You, you decide where you're going to go in life and what you're going to become and how life is going to go. You sit back and you plan every bit of that. But the Lord decides where your steps will take you. Now, there's, those are primary actions and secondary actions. You make your plans, but in the end, you'll go where God says go, and you'll stay as long as He says stay, and you'll do what He says do. Why? Because He's sovereign God. He's providential God. Acts chapter 14, verse 15 through 17. Why are you men doing this? We are only human, just like you. We are bringing you good news. Turn away from these worthless things. Turn to the living God, the living God. He's the one who made the heavens and the earth and the sea. He made everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. But he has given proof of what he is like. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven. He gives you crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food. He fills your hearts with joy now notice in verse 17 the secondary cause of the growth of the food and the gladness of their hearts were the rains from heaven and the fruitful seasons think upon that for just a moment what made their joy what made their hearts joyful that God provided food where did the food come from from the ground God created who caused the rain to fall down upon the ground so that the food would grow and could be harvested and could be eat in order for these people to be joyful who's truly directing the affairs of humanity here in Acts chapter 14 it's almighty God isn't it it's almighty God God is in control God is in control the rain caused the food to grow and the fruitful seasons made their hearts glad but behind those secondary causes, there's a primary cause. God. God. He did good by giving rain and fruitful seasons. Look at Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 28. He is the God who made the world. He also made everything in it. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples built by hands. He is not served by human hands. He doesn't need anything. Now you've met people and I've met people that are so struck on themselves that they think that if they don't supply God everything he needs that he will cease to exist. You've met those kind of people, haven't you? They've got things backward, don't they? They've got the cart in front of the horse. They've not read Job, have they? They've not read where if God ceases to give them breath, they will cease to exist. He's not served. God is not served by human hands. He doesn't need anything. He himself gives life and breath to all people. He gives them everything else they have. Something to think about. From one man, he made all the people of the world. Now they live all over the earth. Get this. He decided exactly when they should live. And not only did he decide when they should live, he decided where they would live. And he decided exactly where they should live. God did this so that people seek him see he created all things and he directs all things for what for his honor and for his glory 
God did this so that people would seek him. Then perhaps they would reach out for him and find him. They would find him even though he is not far away from any of us. In him, say in him, say in Jesus, say in God. In him we live and move and exist. And apart from him we don't. As some of your own poets have also said, we are his children. Somebody might say, but wait a minute, Pastor. Hey, hang on just a minute. I can remember my mom and dad had a discussion, and they decided that they were going to get pregnant at such and such time. And mom carried me for about nine months. And, and because of the doctors and the nurses and, and the care that a certain, certain hospital gave, they decided which hospital I was going to go and be born in. And then mom and dad talked about schools and employment, and they decided where they wanted to live and where they wanted me to go to school. Well, that's wonderful thinking, but it's faulty thinking. That's the secondary actions of the primary actions of Almighty God. And they work together. And they work together. Through concurrence, God is acting and working in us and through us and in all creation and through all creation. He gives life. And He decides when and where we live on planet Earth. In God, we live and move and have our being. What does this mean? This means we should be thankful for everything God has done in us and through us. And not only us, but everything around us. Everything around us. If it rains, we should thank God. If crops grow, we should thank God. We should stand in awe of the vastness of this almighty God that who loves us and that we love him while thinking through this deep, deep doctrine of providence. How big is God? What was it, this past Monday we got a snow? Why did it snow? Because God said snow. And it stuck around for a time, and then it melted away and dissolved into the earth. Why did it dissolve and melt and go into the earth? Because God said so. Because God said so. Look at Job 37. He says to the snow, fall to the earth. See, it doesn't snow by chance. It doesn't snow because the weatherman predicts it's going to snow. It only snows when God says snow, go to the earth. He tells the rain, pour down your mighty waters. He stops everyone from working. He wants them to see his work. The animals go inside. They remain in their dens. The storm comes out of its storeroom in the heavens. The cold comes from the driving winds. The breath of God produces ice. The shallow water freezes over. He loads the clouds with moisture. He scatters his lightning through them. He directs the clouds to circle above the surface of the whole earth. Don't you wish people were more like clouds? Why do you say that, Steve? Because Job chapter 37 says that the clouds do everything God commands them to do. Wow. He tells the clouds to punish people. Or he brings them to water his earth and show his love. God is behind everything, church. God is behind everything. The snow, the ice, all that we see, all that we don't see. And that should give us enormous comfort. That should allow us to sit here amazed at the enormity of the God that we belong to and serve. Thirdly, all things are for His good. May God be given the glory forever. See, government. Government. Preservation, concurrence, government. That's what providence means. What does government mean? God rules and directs 
all things. Say all things with me. All things. God rules and directs all things. The third aspect of providence. What Scripture teaches us is government. Now listen closely. All 50 states of the United States of America are tore out of frame right now. We just had a horrific, messy election. That's what people can do for you. That's what politicians can do for you. God rules and directs all things, even messy elections. Well, Brother Steve, who's going to wind up in the White House? Whomever God says is going to sit in the White House. Well, Brother Steve, I need a clearer answer than that. Well, just pull up a chair and wait. And when he decides, he'll let us know. But until then, for heaven's sake, take a chill pill. Seriously. You know who is tore out of frame worse than anybody on planet Earth today? Christians. Christians. The church. Oh my gosh. If so and so don't get in the White House, God will cease to exist. Christianity will be wiped out. It won't be sustained unless so-and-so gets in the White House. See, the problem is we're looking horizontally and we ought to be focusing our attention vertically because regardless of who's in the White House, God is sitting on the throne in His house. And God is sovereign and God is providential, and God is in control, and He's directing all the matters of all of humanity and the animal kingdom and the atmosphere and molecules and atoms and dust mites and bed bugs and everything else. God is in control. And what God says goes. That brings me great peace and great comfort. People's asked me, see, you don't seem to be tore up about the politics of today. I'm not. Do you not care? Not really. Why? Because the president may be my president, but he's not my king. And the president may be the president, but he's not my lord. And the president may be the president, but he's not my savior. And whether I eat, live, breathe, or have a house to live in is not dependent upon any politician in Washington or Nashville or Monterey or Putnam County, Tennessee. My existence depends upon Almighty God, who is a loving Heavenly Father, who loved me so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die for me. And He said, I will never perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. And I would encourage you to adopt my line of thinking because it comes from, guess where? The book. The book. Government. God rules and directs all things. In other words, the world and everything in it are not ruled by chance or by fate, but by God. But by God, He directs history. God is directing history. God is directing creation toward its ultimate goal. Now listen closely. The world and everything in it are not ruled by chance or by fate, but by God, who directs history and creation toward its ultimate goal, God's purpose, God's plan, God's glory. The scripture sums this up repeatedly. 
Scripture sums this up repeatedly by speaking of God as the Creator King who governs all things. Say all things. Do you believe it, though? See, that's the question. If you pass the test today, do you believe that God is in control of all things at all times? Psalm 103. Praise you, God. Praise you, God, in heaven. The Lord has set up His throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. We just finished the book of Daniel, didn't we? Chapter 4, at the end of that time, when Nebuchadnezzar had been sent out to live as a wild beast in nature, God caused that, and God reversed that. And Nebuchadnezzar said, at the end of that terrible time that I lived like a wild beast out in the cattle fields, he said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, stopped looking horizontally and started looking vertically. He said, I looked up toward heaven. My mind became clear again. Aren't you tired of your mind being discombobulated, messed up and confused and cloudy and worried and concerned and can't get sleep and can't get rest and you're just bent plumb out of shape? Why not be like King Nebuchadnezzar? Why not, why not look up toward heaven and trust in the providence of Almighty God so that your mind can become clear again see God hasn't changed his mind about the great commandment our first order of business as children of God is still to love God supremely it's still to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. and God hasn't changed his mind about the great commission the third order of business loving God supremely loving everybody else as much as we love ourselves giving hope listen the third order of business is go make disciples. As we saw John MacArthur, Pastor John MacArthur, saying in just a, a few moments ago in a recorded message, right now is the time to shine as the church. Be settled. Know who your king is. Serve your king and serve him well. Be obedient to him. Be like a cloud. Do everything God says to do. Go make disciples. People should be more hungry now for the gospel than they've ever been in their lifetime right in the midst of 2020. And we, the church, are equipped through the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been washed through the blood of the Lamb. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we know who's going to carry us home. My mind became clear. Then I praised the Most High God. I gave honor and glory to the one who lives forever. His rule will last forever. His kingdom will never end. See, God doesn't have term limits. He considers all the nations of the earth to be nothing. I like God. God says, I'm God and you're nothing. He can say it because he's God. You can't say it. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven. He does what he wants with the nations of the earth. Jim was spot on this morning. America hasn't seen anything based upon what we truly deserve. If God gives America justice, we'll cease to exist. America turned their back on God a generation ago. Now, folks, don't throw rocks at me and don't leave here mad and don't leave here and never come back from the statement I'm about to say. America has not been a Christian nation in a number of years. Now, America is a nation, and there are some Christians in this nation, but America is not a Christian nation. And the light is becoming dimmer, 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 and dimmer. No one can hold his hand back. No one can say to him, what have you done God is the one 
who is steering the ship of history to its destination. And the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ of bringing the world to that goal will happen at God's appointed time. Romans chapter 8, 28. You know this verse frontward and backwards. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. Do you love God this morning? Your, then your mind should be put at ease. Your mind should be put at ease. Your thinking should be clear. You should just be calm, cool, and collected if you believe in the sovereignty of God, if you believe in the providence of God. We know, say I know. We know that in all things God works together for the good of those that love Him. Do you love Him? Then everything in your life is working for your good. But I don't like it, Pastor Steve. Nowhere here does it say you will like it. But it does say that it's working for your good. Does anybody from my generation remember Makir Chrome? My mama knows about it too. Oh my gosh. It, it wasn't bad enough that you wrecked the bicycle. Wasn't bad enough that it was a gravel driveway. Wasn't bad enough that your knee was full of gravel. Wasn't bad enough that they held you down and picked all them out. Then they brought out the Macirchrome. This will make it better. And for a moment, you've been raised in church, you know about heaven and hell, and all of a sudden you just know that your mama throws you into hell. Because that one part on your knee is burning so bad, you just know it. Satan has pulled you down into the plains of almighty hell. Right? But guess what that Macirchrome done? It disinfected that wound, caused it to heal, and even glowed in the dark for a couple of weeks before it wore off. The magic of that. Thank you, Mama, for taking care of us and loving us. And somebody somewhere said, this stuff is from the devil, and I reckon they outlawed it because I've not seen it in forever. Praise Jesus. None of these kids have to live through Macirchrome, right? They got magic stuff you spray on it now, and it instantly numbs it. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. He appointed them to be saved in keeping with what? His purpose. His purpose. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. We have been set free because of what Christ has done. You, you, even salvation is not of us. It's of him. We're saved today because He loves us. We're saved today because Christ died for us. We're saved today because Jesus shed His blood for us. We've been set free because of what Christ has done. Through His blood, our sins have been forgiven. We have been set free. Why? Because God's grace is so rich. Notice in these verses the different aspects of God's divine government. He poured out... He poured His grace on us by giving us great wisdom and understanding. He showed us the mystery of His plan. It was in keeping with what He wanted to do. It was what He planned through Christ. It will all come about when history has been completed. God will then bring together all things in heaven and on earth under one ruler, the ruler of Christ. We were also chosen to belong to Him. God decided to choose us long ago in keeping with His plan. He works out everything to fit His plan and His purpose. We were the first to put our hope in Christ. We were chosen to bring praise to His glory. Now then, a few aspects of God's divine government will be done. First, first, God's governing activity is universal. God's governing activity is universal. It doesn't merely extend to His own people. The Bible says God causes it to rain on the... and the... Absolutely. It extends to all matters and to all men everywhere, that which is good and that which is not good. Ephesians 1.11 says that he works all things according to the counsel of his will. Secondly, God is good in his government. Again, Romans 8.28 says that God works everything 
for the good to those that love him. Third, God is personally concerned. Aren't you thankful for that today? God is personally concerned about those who are his. Romans 8.28 says he's primarily concerned with his own children. And fourth, God is sovereign in his government. This means that he and he alone determines his plan and knows the significance of each and every one of his actions. Psalm 103, the Lord has set up his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. So why does all this matter? Why do I believe this is so important? Why are we studying systematic theology? Why are we studying the doctrines of the Bible? Because it means everything. It means everything. It means everything in our life and faith in Christ. Think about these for just a second as we close. Trust. Believing, knowing, understanding, and participating in the doctrine of providence brings about trust. Belief in God's providence means that we can trust God for all things because He's already handled our biggest problem, sin. If God has got enough to snatch you out of hell, what can God not take care of in your life? When and if you trust Him. When and if you trust Him. In Him you can trust so completely and have no doubts that He'll provide you with everything necessary for body and soul, that He'll turn and use to your good whatever adversity He sends into your life. God sends adversity into His children's life for our good and His glory. Believe that, know that. Not only trust, but patience. Patience. God's providence also means that we can be patient in adversity, suffering, and uncertainty. Why? Because God's got this. Say that with me. God's got this. Do you believe that? Practice that. Know it, believe it, practice it. God's providence means that we can be patient in adversity, suffering, and uncertainty. And this will cause us to be full of gratitude, full of thanksgiving. Moreover, it means being thankful for whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. Remember the Apostle Paul? He said, man, I've been wealthy and I've been poor. I've been in want, I've been in need, and I've had plenty. He said this, in all situations, I've learned to be content in the Lord. Be content in the Lord. Paul said, give thanks no matter what happens. A true Christian, a mature Christian, believes this verse and practices this verse. Give thanks no matter what happens. Because God wants you to thank Him because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you know who God is, He is the Creator and the Sustainer, the Sovereign God and the Providential God, then we can give thanks no matter what happens because God wants us to thank Him because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only gratitude, but hope. That's in our name, isn't it? Hope in Christ's fellowship. Hope in who? Christ. Finally, look into the future. God's providence means that we can have firm confidence. Say that with me. Firm confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing can ever separate us from His eternal love. What hope. What a Savior. What a Savior. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, folks, the providence of God may bring about some questions, and we'll talk about those questions next week. But most importantly, most importantly, trust, confidence, hope, gratitude. Amen? Stand with me this morning as we pray together. Holy, righteous Father, sovereign God, 
providential father we know that in all things you're working everything together for our good because we love you and father we love you because you first loved us we know that all things are working for our good and for your glory and Father, because of these facts, not these theories, not, not even these doctrines, but because of these eternal facts, your people, me, us, your church, the called out ones, the chosen ones, those that have been saved and born again through the blood of Jesus Christ, we of all people on planet earth today, should be the most satisfied people on planet earth. Your son, our Savior, said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And Jesus told his disciples, and we're his disciples today, Father. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that wherever I am, you may be also. Father, help us to fix our minds and our hearts, our eyes and our ears upon you and your Son, Jesus, and your precious Holy Spirit. Help us be lights to a lost and dying world. Help us be, be faith-filled, absent of worry, and be those who the world look to in times of need and want. Because we have Jesus, and we have Jesus to offer them as we offer them hope. And Father, if anyone here today doesn't have that hope, we pray today you'll open their hearts, give them faith and repentance, allow them to call upon you and be saved for it's eternally too late. We pray and ask all these things in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen.